Good Looks, Bad Books is a book review cast about anything that fits in the romance genre. We tear apart tropes, laugh at impracticality, and provide the occasional dose of actually decent advice. Not safe for all ages, and some stuff isn't safe for any age. We invite people to come with their own bad books and explain them to us. So if you want in on the fun, let us know, and we'll put you in our little black book. Check us out on iTunes and on Twitter at GLBB Podcast. Good looks, bad books. We read the bad books, so you don't have to. By this point, we should be live. So hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. I am Michael, and I have with me tonight a very extra special guest co-host. You know him, you love him, Taylor from Riverhouse Games. You know him on Twitter as as at Leviathan Files. Taylor, how about them Vikings? Listen, Michael, <laughs> I am so psyched that we are going to be the first team in the entire oh. history of everything to win a Super Bowl at oh, their home stadium. Dude, you are way too ahead of yourself. You are way, I mean, I, I hope so, <laughs> but there's still a game that's yet to be played, and then there's another game for winning. Uh, but I was rooting for the Vikings. Like, I I yeah. don't really have a team in the pool right now, uh, and I knew you were a huge fan. Uh, Minnesota Vikings fan, and I used to be when Cole Pepper and Moss were there, and even uh, like Randy Carter, so that guy. I used to love those guys. So I, you know, I kind of going back to those roots. But uh, I, that last play was bonkers, bonkers. Yeah, tell me about it. We screamed for like ten minutes straight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, that was just uh, insane. Uh, so it looks like we got Targris with us already. Uh, welcome to the to the show. Uh, so. Taylor, other than the Vikings, anything exciting going on? Yeah, there's actually, oh my goodness. It seems like every time I get asked, is anything exciting happening? I have just a laundry list to choose from <laughs> to talk about. So um, there's a whole mess of rearrangements at my work. Uh, we're doing like a realignment of the different departments. And so I, I'm i moving my team under a new like manager manager and processing all sorts of stuff. Um, working on a huge project that's been taking a lot of my time. But then in addition to that, um, Riverhouse Games is kind of blowing up right now. So we have our first vendor booth at a convention. Uh, oh. We will be at Con of the North in Plymouth, Minnesota uh, from February 16th through the 18th. So um, I am getting ready for that, getting books printed through Drive-Thru RPG. I collected uh, all of my small little story games under one big volume um, and just made all their layout look the same. Um, it's, I've really learned a lot about the production side of, of game design, and that's been incredible to, to do and to learn and to go through. Um, and then in some not-so-great news, uh, Riverhouse Games was hacked twice. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I remember seeing something about that on Twitter. You were having trouble getting back up. Yep. So the website, riverhousegames.com, is down right now. Oh. Um, yeah, so we, we were... We were hacked the first time and they installed malware on the site and then we were DDoSed, um, which is dedicated denial of service for those uh, who don't know the acronym. It's just they flood your website with a bunch of just gibberish um, to like basically just overload it. Um, and so I 
it took me forever to figure out how to get the malware off to get it back up and then it was up for three days and then now it's down again oh that's sorry dude. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks so and because everything's going crazy at my job or everything's going ridiculously at my job um i have maybe half an hour to work on it at night like in between you know yeah. eating and yeah everything so, else yeah but how about you michael what's up with you uh not a whole lot uh, like any announcements i have is basically that we don't have announcements still no word on the catacon um still doesn't look like i'm going to be able to go to origins i'm i'm, st- I'm going to try to go saturday but i just don't know if i'm going to feel like it i'm coming back from a week-long vacation i'm going to be driving five to six hours on friday am i really going to want to get up early on saturday I don't know. We'll see. I, I kind of want to, but uh, I just, I don't want to make any promises in case I just don't feel like it. I don't want to have any, you know, commitments that I would be breaking. Yeah. Uh, I applied for my press badge for Gen Con. So fingers crossed that goes there through. There you go. Fingers crossed. Because uh, they did raise the prices again. So I would really appreciate <laughs> the free badge. Uh, trying to figure out if we're going to submit for the innies or not. I think we talked about that on the last episode uh, with Tanner. I, I'm just not sure if we're going to. I'm, I think we will, but I'm just trying to figure out what, like, what's the upside. You know, best case scenario, we get nominated again and lose again because, like, we just don't have the audience. As, as sad as that is, even if we get nominated, we're just not a big enough show to win. So then the most likely what will happen is we just don't get nominated, and then it's just like, oh, Okay, you know, so I just I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to go through that roller coaster of emotions again. Uh, plus, there's always that benefit if I don't don't you know submit that I can always be like, well, we didn't submit this year. You know, if we don't get nominated, it's a little bit different. So, uh, New York Tater has joined us. Hello, uh, welcome. Uh, I'm trying to think. There was something else I was going to mention. I can't think of what it is right now. Oh, yeah. Duh. The GM Masterclass. Those finally have started coming out. The third one came out this past week. Been getting some very good feedback on those. Uh, people seem to really enjoy that format. It seems to be somewhat of a new novelty. I don't know if we're the first ones to do it. I doubt we are, but I think we're the only ones right now kind of doing it, uh, at least within my sphere of knowledge and influence. So um, I have a feeling we're going to have a bunch of copycatters soon, which with our you know, our track record, someone else will do it, do it better, and then get 10 times our downloads from doing what we've done. Because that's just the way the RPG Academy works. You know, we've been helping people find better shows than us for six years now. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I got a couple more people that are joining us. Haven't said hello in chat yet, but you're there. So welcome. Uh, This is the RPG Academy podcast. We're going to do a live faculty meeting tonight, which I guess we should go ahead and get... uh, Get into that. So this is going to be faculty meeting 122. And uh, Taylor is basically going to run the first part. But before we get into that, we always like to take a moment to step back and talk about why we are here. So through these conversations that Taylor and I are about to have, we hope that we can share some of the experience we've gleaned from our many years of uh, playing tabletop RPGs. But we do understand that the opinions we share and the advice we give may not work at every table every time. But there is one piece of advice, Taylor, that we think works every time. And what would that be? If you didn't buy the GM pizza, you're doing it wrong, <laughs> uh, right? I think that's close. <laughs> it's if you're not if you're having fun, you're doing it right. That is correct. The, <laughs> the big banner below us should have given that away. Uh, but yeah, no matter what game you're playing, which system, which edition, whatever rules you're using, not using, or misusing, as long as your table is having fun, then you're 
you're doing it right and there's nothing else you need to worry about. So with that out of the way, we've already been chit-chatting, but do you have any other announcements, anything that you'd want to talk about before we jump into uh, the main topic tonight? Uh, just if people are going to be at in at Con of the North or near Plymouth, Minnesota in the middle of February, uh, come on by. We'll have a vendor table for Riverhouse Games. You can come over, say hey, and get the first book that I will be selling in print. <laughs> very, very cool, which actually reminds me, I owe you a newspaper thingy we got from a catacon i i ended up grabbing like a handful so i have plenty i wanted to send you one i just haven't got it around to that yet but that's no problem <laughs> i may just give it to you at gen con <laughs> like that might okay. not, not work out better <laughs> yeah um so again for us no news no news on a catacon uh still waiting to hear back from the dcc uh origins may not happen gen con's hopefully going to happen which i mean i assume it will be uh faculty meeting so i don't you're not going art to that are you no, I wish I could, but vacation time is pretty limited. Yeah, I understand. It's it's difficult, but it's still it's just it's a really fun weekend. So I, I want as many mm -hmm. people to go as possible. So, um, so I guess with all that out of the way, we'll jump into it. So Taylor, you were the one that suggested tonight's topic. What are we talking about? So we are talking about repurposing song lyrics or or verses from poetry uh, at the table. So um, what I have been doing with uh, one of my podcasts from the Jackals to the Shepherds is finding um, a new a new poet that I haven't heard of before or haven't read before, uh, reading through some of their their poems and, and poetry and verse, um, and then repurposing that. So finding imagery or finding lines or even entire stanzas and reworking them so that they fit the narrative of the story that I'm telling in From the Jackals to the Shepherds, which is a game of the quiet year that I'm playing literally one week at a time throughout 2017 and into 2018. So um, the the stories so far have been, you know, these weird mixes of, of you know, tabletop description, um, interjected with poetry that creates this really sharp image um, and is a really fantastic way to, to connect with the poetry as well as create a vivid, you know, story at the table. All right. So is there any specific lines or stanzas or anything that, you know, you just like hit you really hard that inspires you to do this that you could share with us? Yeah, actually, I don't have the specific example in front of me, um, but not the most recent, but the second to most recent episode there, that's the longest episode that we've done so far. It's about seven minutes long. Most of them are like three to five because it's just a week at a time um, in in one game. Um, but this one, there's a, a huge poem, um, and I'm going to try and find um, the poet. So, while you're doing that... Um, this is somewhat similar to some things that we've done before, probably most famously the synergy sessions, which is what we call when we take a pack of magic, the gathering cards, and you just use, you know, the flavor text, the mechanics, the imagery on the card, and you use that to inspire yourself in some way. So it's not, it's not like we haven't done this before, but I don't know that we've ever done it specifically to poetry or to music lyrics. I, I know semi-famously, if you are a follower of our show, one of my campaigns was based off of a Chuck Norris commercial that he did against Obama, I think, during the first election. Uh, it was just like really thin, not to get into the politics of it, but it was still a weird commercial, no matter who you're for. And uh, Chuck Norris had said that if Obama was elected, we would enter a thousand years of darkness. Uh, exact quote. And so I took that as inspiration and made a campaign that started. There's like 
one or two sessions and then the characters traveled through times a thousand years in the future after a thousand years of darkness had just ended, uh, learned that they themselves somehow were responsible for it and were supposed to go back and stop themselves from causing basically the apocalypse. So, uh, so I'm a fan of taking inspiration from wherever I can find it. Hopefully I've wasted enough I time you talking about that on the show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so did I waste enough yeah, time no, for it? I remember it? you talking about that on the show. Yes. Uh, ooh, am I not coming in here? Yeah, I can, I can hear you. I think. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I've, I found out. Here we go. So the poet's name is, um, of course, I say that, and then I click off of the, the website. I, the poet's name is Edna St. Vincent Millay. Uh, and there's this huge poem about um, about death and, like, the journey through this spiritual world uh and there's a lot of really sharp images of nature. Um, and the, sh the show um, takes place in uh, this, this mining camp at the basin of a mountain uh, in a, a strange and supernatural forest. And so this, this journey through um, death in the spirit world um, followed this character as they, as they died. Spoiler alert. I won't say uh, who the character is, but... Um, is it Han Solo? It, I was able to reveal different parts of the plot. So yeah, it was um, something that I've I've looked at for a while in in terms of how do I make this a game instead of me just um, writing uh, an audio drama um, because I'm I'm telling the story, I'm writing these scripts and, and telling um, the game of the Quiet Year uh, as something I'm doing you know solo. So there's there's no other writers for the show. It, it's me. Um, answering the prompts that are on the card, uh, which for those unfamiliar with the quiet, you, you draw a card, uh, you answer a prompt and that pushes forward the plot of uh, your, your small community. Um, and so it was something that I struggled with for a while because I'm, I'm going, how do I make this a game, even if it's just me? And finding, um, finding the input from poets past uh, have really you know, sparked that, that creativity that comes from collaboration. Um, because like I was saying with this, uh, this passage in this episode, it's this journey um, through death and revelation, um, you know, through the spirit realm. Uh, it's this transformative journey. And that, um, as I was adapting it to, uh, to the story and fitting things in and, you know, um, you know weaving, the, weaving the verse through the plot of the episode, um, it discovered things in me uh, that then pushed the story forward. So the, the synthesis of me writing and, and adapting this poem um, created something new. And that's something that I have really been inspired by. And it's something that I've been thinking a lot in terms of how do we, um, how do we repurpose old art or, or recombine it? Um, I'm fascinated with um, fan fiction and fan work uh, in communities, which takes established work and genres and um, all these IPs and characters and recombines them. It, it makes something, something in the, new um, using some some other story um, and so that's that's kind of been what's going on in my head that I wanted to talk about this with you. okay that was much better you had a little bit of robotic but I think I got like 98% of that so I think I think we're good um, so in this particular okay. instance you are playing a, a game that is heavy on atmosphere and you're finding mm -hmm. poetry absolutely and, and lyrics that, that are sort of feeding into that. Do you think this would work as well for a quote-unquote 
high fantasy D&D game, swashbuckling pirates and maidens and dragons? Like, it, Do you think it works better or worse for what you're doing? Or is this just the application you've started with? Yeah, so this is the application that, this isn't even the application that I started with. Um, so to go back even further, uh, the way that this had, had sort of started with me was I was riffing off of synergy sessions um, with the RPG Academy because I love listening to them. I don't really play magic though. Um, so if I'm looking to do something similar, I'm going, okay, well, I can buy these cards and use the, you know, the inspiration, but then they're going to sit on my shelf. Um, but what I really love doing is I love reading and I love listening to music. I love poetry. Um, and I was trying to think of some way that I could combine those. And so what I ended up doing, um, is I was asked, uh, by the host of the highly illogical podcast, which is, um, a Star Trek uh, actual play podcast that's run by a friend of mine, Sam Brady. Um, he had asked me to uh, run a game of fate for them because that's the system that they use. He's not super familiar with it. Um, and I, I have a passing uh, proficiency with it. So <clears throat> he said, can you run this game of fate? And I said, heck yes, I can. Um, what I want from you is each one of your characters, I want your favorite song right now. So what song are you playing on repeat on the radio? Um, let's make a character out of that. And so I talked a little bit on it. I don't know if it was here or, or elsewhere, but looking at snappy lyrics um, and just, uh, you know, things that stood out to me in that song, um, like catchy hooks, what was it about that song that made them love it so much? Because they, they obviously have a connection. So if I can tap into that, I can make a character for them that they will love to play. Um, and Fate works really well for that because as you're building a character, you are um, you're building aspects or setting stunts, and all of those have snappy names that tell you what they do. So that when you're you know swinging through the chandelier, you can say you know um, uh, it's it's Dennis Moore time or hand over your lupins uh, if you're you know a uh, 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 high fantasy um, highwayman uh, who's coming to steal flowers from people instead of silver. Um, and you can get mechanical bonuses for tapping into those. And that's really cool. Um, so building, building these characters off of the things that they loved about those songs was a way to get their emotional buy-in into the mechanics themselves. So uh, that one GM says, uh, character development through Spotify playlists, question mark? Heck yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, if we want to add another layer even further onto this, one of my favorite things that I do to get into character is build playlists, is make Pinterest boards. Um, all of these things that I've seen the fan fiction and fan art community do for books, movies, TV shows, all of the characters that they love, building these things and, and creating these playlists and, and writing this fan fiction connects them to those characters. So that's something that I want to actively do when I'm looking at approaching a, a character in an RPG. So definitely Spotify is the, one of the biggest tools that I can suggest uh, for character development. So it, it feels to me, cause I've never played the quiet year. I, I know somewhat about it from just being, you know, again, in the Twitter verse when people have talked about it, but I, I can see where fate would probably be a very good system for this type of development. Because like you said, you can take a song lyric and make that your you know, attribute or what, I can't remember what they're called now. There are tags or whatever. I haven't played Fate in a long time. Your, yeah, yeah, your aspects. Aspects, yeah, exactly. You could literally just make a, a a line from the song that, and I can see that would, 
you know, marry very, very strongly uh, in both a mechanical standpoint and also like a either a symbolism or a theme or tone. I think in like, again, quote unquote, D&D game, it would be have to be more with like your mindset, your mood, again, theme and tone. I don't know how well that would marry with mechanics unless you just homebrewed something. You know, if you say a, if you can work in one of the lines as like a, you know, repartee or uh, ready. Uh, God, can't talk about witty repartee. <laughs> then maybe you get a advantage or plus two or something like that. I don't know. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Yes, absolutely, I do. So there's two sides to to that coin. When you have a game that's more traditional, like Dungeons and Dragons or um, like Shadowrun or any of these things, where the mechanics are really solidified and you don't really have a lot of of say in what something is called, you still have a lot of say in how you role play and how you act at the table. Um, and there's there's two sides of the coin with that. Unless you're playing a GMless game, um, there's the side of the GM and then there's the side of the players. Um, so I'll talk about the GM side first. One of the things that I find um, really helpful, um, and I didn't start doing this until after I heard Austin Walker talk about it on a podcast like forever ago, um, about what he does for Friends at the Table, which is a show that I really pr- uh, like praise for how incredibly vivid their imagery is. Um, he, he doesn't write anything down ahead of time, but what he does write down is a list of impressions. So these are things things like uh, the sound of, of copper boots scraping against uh, cobblestones as, as rain falls from a, the sky. So it's, it's create this big stark image, um, not stark, but create the big vivid image, um, have a list of those. And then when you want to pull like a gut punch of an image out to really set that scene, look at this list that you have, see what you can combine, what makes sense for where you are, what makes sense for the beat of the story that you're trying to tell, uh, the scene that you're trying to have go off and just combine some of those lines. And you can definitely do that with poetry and with song lyrics, you know, have a list. If you, if you really love, um, if you really love a song, write down the lyrics that really stand out to you, give, get that list at the table and then say, okay, you're, you're entering, um, uh, you're entering this area. You're, you're looking at this, this forest. Um, Michael, I asked you for a list of some favorite songs before we did this. Uh, you said Fleetwood, Fleetwood Max Landslides, yeah. uh, which is one of my favorite songs. Um, so you you could say um, you're carrying with you something that that has really grave importance. No matter you know, regardless of what it is, it could be an artifact, it could be um, it could be a wounded friend. Um, you take this thing that you love uh, down through the mountain. You climb down the, the precipice. Um, you get to a, a, a spot on the mountain and you turn around and you see. It, it seems like almost your own reflection in the snow-covered hills because of the, the way that the, the snow is falling and the, the glinting light off of the, the snowflakes. Um, and you, you hear in the distance an avalanche and a landslide coming down the mountain for you, which is the first one, two, three, four lines of landslide. Right. I took my love and I took it down. I climbed a mountain and I turned around and I saw my reflection in the snow-covered hills to the landslide brought me down. And when you are when you're writing modules or when you're running modules, um, something that happens a lot is box text. Um, you know, something to read as as the players enter a room to set the mood and set everything. You can easily create box text with poetry and with verse. Okay, so do you see yourself as the GM? 
being the impetus for this or, or being like a like a, like a controlling force like again you asked me for a favorite song or would you suggest as a player i take that on my own and try to bring it to the table and, and say you know i've really been listening to this song um and you know it's Katy perry's roar and i want to be a druid who transforms into a tiger uh so that's my character like like do you think it works both ways yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely both of those. So um, I talked about the GM perspective. Um, what I really enjoy uh, from a player's perspective is having lines written down. So um, there's two great games that use this really, really spectacularly well. Uh, the first is a game called One Missed Call, uh, which is the story of a long distance relationship. Um, and to play, you have a list of lines and play goes until you have used all of those lines. Um, and it's just a, a game about leaving voicemails, not quite connecting. Um, and the lines, the lines tell you basically what the story is going to happen. But because there's so many of them, you can recombine them in such an order that as you're telling the story, no, no two stories are going to be the same. Right. But they are all going to follow that same theme and tone because of those lines have been set. Um, another game that I love that does this is Our Radios Are Dying by Caitlin Bell. Um, our Radiators Are Dying is one of my favorite games ever written. Uh, it's the story of two queer women in space as they share uh, one last hour of air um, as they just kind of float in the void uh, and talk um, and kind of come to terms with the love that they share for each other. Um, and again, it has this list of lines that, that you can use that really set a theme and a tone, but you, you can have that freedom and that creativity to recombine them, to move them around, to, to really create your own story. So if you're looking at this tactic from a player standpoint, you know, come with the lines that really stand out to you about the songs. If you've made that Spotify playlist for your character, pick the lines that really exemplify your care, your idea for that character, write them down, try to use them in conversation. Obviously, you know, if it's not the right moment for a line, it's not the right moment for a line. But when it is, that line's going to connect and it's going to deliver and it's going to be fantastic. All right. So we got a couple things in chat I want to hit really quickly. Uh, I'll start with Alejandro first. Uh, we usually run for about an hour, so we should be here till roughly 10 o'clock. Uh, this will be on our YouTube page later. So if you aren't able to stick around, but you want to come back and check it out, it will eventually also be an audio only form in our podcast feed. But because we're doing the GM masterclass right now, nothing else is coming out on the feed. So it'll be another month or so before anything else comes out. Um, so uh, bah, bah, bah. there's a couple of things there. Um, so that one GM was saying he was wondering if there's a, if he could frame a whole game session around the beats of a single song. And I, I've heard of other people doing something similar just with like almost the way that a song builds that you can like have a scene that sort of reflects the the first lyric and then a different scene. And then it kind of comes together at the end. Have you done anything like that or have any thoughts or advice on someone that wanted to try? Yeah, um, I one of one of the games that I've really learned a lot from two years ago, I ran a game of Velvet Glove, uh, which is a powered by the apocalypse game of girl gangs in the 1970s. Um, and I set that entire game to Prince's Purple Rain album. Um, and I told it in Minneapolis. And yes, I know Purple Rain didn't come out until 1982 or 84 or something. Um, but I, I use the beats in that story to, to set up scenes. Um, and this is where uh, I turn my advice from go do this to cautionary tale advice. Um, because 
just like everything else in your GM toolcase, you want to use the right tool for the right moment. Um, and this 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 game had some moments where that that tactic worked really spectacularly. Um, the penultimate song uh, on the album is sort of this uh, cautionary tale about um, overreach and and fame, um, and then it it transitions into Purple Rain, which starts with a very somber piano music and you know, this, this end and then crescendos into the finale of the song and the climax. Um, and uh, that worked spectacularly well for the climax of the story that, that I was telling. Um, there were a few songs that didn't quite work out all that greatly. Um, and without going into too much detail, I, I didn't pick a different tool for those scenes. I, I kept hammering ahead um, with that tactic. And, and um, that's where I was saying, you know, if it's not, the right moment for that line it's not the right moment for that line um but i didn't see that and so we had moments that were awkward or felt flat and i just kind of think in, in general the way that i you know am inspired by things in the popular media culture whatever is i wouldn't want to try to take a song necessarily and then make it fit as much as if i find a song that inspires me and then see how i can connect the two like if i pick the song first and then like, okay, I'm going to make sure that this happens. That's just not the way I like to prep games. I probably would do a poor job. But but again, some of the imagery, you know, you were talking about even from Landslide. I had been thinking, like, I didn't know exactly what you were going to do, but obviously it was in my mind that we would be using the lyrics for something. And I thought a little bit of the same way and, and how you could reinterpret them that, you know, you have a character who's carrying an emotional weight, some sort of dark secret or dark past, something that they've lived with or guilt they feel guilty about for the longest time. And then you kind of at the end, when you see your reflection, you kind of realize that you were your own gatekeeper. Like you had the mm. ability to get rid of this weight anytime, but you chose to keep it. And you're basically you're your own worst nightmare. So you are in fact the avalanche that you have been running from. Um, but that just boils down to a character who has a, who's moody and has a dark secret, but wants to be in the light and wants to, you know, maybe go out in a blaze of glory, but be a hero. So like a reformed villain who's got like, you know, one last hurrah. This is my last adventure. I want to do one good thing in the world before I get, meet my maker. And, you know, I could see trying to come up with a character idea just from that song lyric that not really tying like the themes of the song, but just interpreting the lyrics in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. I am so glad that you brought that up because that was going to be the kind of down the road. What I wanted to talk about is really looking and interpreting what this art does, what it says, what it means to you. Um, you know, just thinking about that piece of, of art because poetry and lyrics are art. Um, and, <laughs> and what can we learn or glean from this? And then, you know, translate over into tabletop, which... Uh, I think is art. I think role-playing games are a form of art um, and any art that we can learn from then informs the art that we create. Alrighty. Uh, so the one GM just being in chat made me think too, uh, again, I met him through mostly through uh, the one shot Wushu game that he ran for us. I think we'd actually met earlier, but there's neither here nor there. And I think Wushu would be another game that this, fits brilliantly with because your you know your traits in wushu are just 
three things, sayings, phrases. Yeah. They could literally just be song titles. You know, mm-hmm. like, what are you doing right now? I'm going to purple rain this thing. You know, I get yeah. anything under a five and I'm purple raining it. Or I'm on a <laughs> landslide. You know, you could you could find a way to make it either somber, depending on your song choices, or just silly, which Wushu lends itself to as well. But uh, I definitely, I think Fate fits very well mechanically, but I think thematically Wushu you could have a lot of fun with a Wushu game mm-hmm. just with song lyrics. I have never played Wushu before. And part of that is me not having people that know how to run it <laughs> near me. And part of that is going, if I play Wushu, I want Michael to run it for me. <laughs> you don't want me. You want Andrew. He's, okay. the, he's the man. Okay. Then I want Andrew to run it and I want you to be in on okay, it. Okay. Yeah, I'll <laughs> definitely be there. I, I, I can always come up with something to add, I think, to the story. But uh, we, maybe we can talk to Andrew about setting up like a one shot. That could be fun. That would be fantastic. Awesome. So is there any other examples that you've already done or is like on your, I want to do this list? Like the next time this comes up, this is my goal for this process. I would really love to find a way to incorporate all the things that we've been talking about um, in game design for Powered by the Apocalypse games, because um, we, we talked about it on our masks recap, but I love PBTA games because they are such great genre emulators. And I want to, I want to be able to take genres of music and find a way to emulate that within PBTA. I don't know that I'm anywhere close to even beginning that process, but I really, really, really (laughs) would love to do that. My, again, I am, I, I tinker with game design. As you know, I don't consider myself in any way talented at it. But my first thought would just be that would be the name of the moves, which would kind of line it up with Wushu that, you know, this move that I'm doing here is insert song lyric or song title sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, that would be a very sort of superficial way to connect them. I'm sure there's a way to, you know, more deeply connect the theme and idea into a Powered by the Apocalypse game that has something to do with because you can do anything with Power by the Apocalypse. Maybe your game is built around someone who wants to be like a performer. It's like American Idol or like a blues singer in the, the 70s or something. So there's a lot more theme tied to these song lyrics, uh, you know, rather than just it's a catchy way to say I punch them in the face. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and I, I definitely don't have the skills or the knowledge to do so, but I would love to incorporate um, music theory and music history into that too. Um, I can't remember what type of third chord it is, but there's, um, I don't know if it's like an augmented third or a diminished third, uh, but there's one one chord that is historically, it's been thought to be the chord of the devil. So it's an evil chord or like an evil music. The Catholic Church really cracked down on it um, and, and looked poorly on it. And when you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a devilish, that's some devil notes. Is there um, anything like the brown note? I, I I can't make any promises, um, but uh, there's a, a famous composer. I don't, I don't know if it's Mozart, but I want to say it's Mozart because Mozart's the composer that you think of when you think of composers. Sure. Um, who said, you know what? Just to f with people, I'm going to put this third chord wherever I can <laughs> and just threw it in everywhere into hymns, into um, you know all all of these symphonies, and just has it spotted around. Um, and so that's that's driven controversy. It's driven um, sort of like weird interpretations of what was Mozart trying to say. Um, <laughs> and that's I, I only know that from like 
10 years ago in high school when we had a lesson on that in orchestra, um, just like how fascinated I was with that story. I'd love to be able to do something like that within game design. Now, I, I have not played in this game, but I know we did a trial, and I think you've spent some time with Colin, but doesn't Axon Punk really combine like hip-hop music into the game, that they the, the uh, cyberpunk yeah. game? Yeah. Absolutely, it does. Um, so I, I thank you for bringing that up. I would have kicked myself afterwards uh, if we hung up the recording and I went Axon Punk. Um, but yes, that's a that's a cyberpunk hip hop game, um, and it's it's sort of PBTA. Um, it uses PBTA as an inspiration, and then um, he he took it from there and ran with it. Um, uh, and it's it's about um, uh, improvisation. It's about collaboration. It's about flow. Um, and it, it really incorporates hip hop as uh, a genre of music and really codifies it in the stories that the game is telling. So do you think there's a, like a time and a place for you to actually play the music at the table, either as just sort of background music or, you know, can you think of a moment and, and, I, and it's a terrible example, but what comes to mind is a knight's tale which is like that medieval movie that has the, you know, modern music I in it. I love that, yes. And, and so, like, is there a moment where it would fit in the game to actually stop for a moment, and maybe not the whole song, but, like, actually play part of a song in the game, whether it's because a bard is singing it or there's just some sort of, you know, epiphany or revelation or, or I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of a way that you could fit that in and, and make it work and not just be like, we're stopping the game for two minutes so we can listen to Purple Rain. Yeah, so um, there's a, a couple games that already do that uh, as part of their mechanics. The first is a game called, I want to say, Songs, uh, and it's by Toby Abad, uh, who wrote a single moment to the game that Reflections came out of. Sure. Um, and uh, what Toby does uh, is has have you create like a five or six song playlist, um, assign life events to each song, and then as you tell through the story of a breakup, uh, you you reminisce over the the times in your life um, while those songs are playing. Mm, okay. Um, so you you get sort of like the the atmospheric cut through of of what's going on while you're also talking through emotions and feelings as the song's playing. Um, the other game is called Ribbon Drive. It's by uh, Avery Alder, who wrote Monster Hearts, um, and that is a game where you develop a playlist and then. Um, you know, you tell the story of a road trip as you are listening to this playlist um, and kind of what each song means. And you can definitely play the playlist as you're you're playing. Um, I don't know that there's a, a like a tra traditional game or like a fantasy game um, that incorporates music that heavily into uh, the story. But um, I will say one thing that I, I love because I can't shut up about masks uh, <laughs> that they do. Um, and I've seen happen in masks games is, is talking about cover panels or splash pages. Um, and you know, you, you want to start the game out with this big, bright image that you, if you were reading it as a comic, you would see this image on the page. You can do that for music and poetry. So if your if your game session utilizes a certain song, um, you know, really heavily, if you borrow that song for box text, uh, in different, uh, rooms in the dungeon, um, or, or different parts of the big bad guys monologue, um, start the session with that song and just say like, hey, we're gonna listen to this, you know, play through the song, have a moment of reflection or a moment of celebration if it's a, a pretty riled up song, um, play through the session and then play that song again. Um, 
and, and you know really have that um, bookend to the the session that you have. So uh, New York Tater says he actually likes the idea of someone playing a bard that has no real talent, and then that's how they perform in the game is when they do a per performance. You know, they can you know hit their Spotify list or something and do a little bit of music. Um, and then to talk to Alejandro again, uh, we do different topics every time we do this show, and this is just what the topic was for tonight. So it's not always music and RPGs. It, it might, next time it might be you know, how to incorporate a, a character that a player, a character that died, it has to bring in a new character sort of situation. It's just each, each week is random or different. Um, so one thing I had, and maybe there's people in chat that can talk about this, and I'm surprised I didn't go to this first, much like you would have been surprised, you know, you'd been upset if you didn't go to Axon. I would be upset that if I, this hadn't come out, but could you design a game of dread that uses music cues in a way, both thematically, but also mechanically, almost like uh, musical uh -huh. chairs, where you have to keep pulling back and forth until the music stops, or you only have so much time to pull before the, the song's over, or while a certain song is playing, that makes a mechanical difference, and when the next song starts, it makes a different mechanical benefit. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I really love that idea. I don't know if it would be dread too much, um, but I can definitely see some sort of um, like teen slasher LARP uh, where you're you're playing uh, like a summer camp or, or whatever, like a um, you know one of those uh, cheesy blockbuster films uh, where there's Jason Voorhees trying to kill all the campers at a summer camp right. uh, with musical chairs. Um, and following the, the structure of those kind of movies where characters get picked off one by one, if you tell this LARP uh, or, or act out this game or, you know, go through any of this story, you're playing this sort of like maybe summer hits playlist. Um, and then at the end of, e you know, for each song, you, you're acting scenes out, you're having conversations. When the song ends, you have to scramble for a chair. Whoever doesn't make it, <laughs> narrates how they die and then they become part of the monsters okay hmm. i'm gonna put some more thought into that uh dread thing because i've been looking for a new dread game my, my scooby-doo dread it's, it's still so much fun but i think about putting it on the <laughs> shelf um I'm, that just sort of hit me as something that might work very well uh, you know, again, just maybe like certain songs, you can't die. So if the tower falls there, mm. something different. Certain songs, if it falls, you are. Or you have to pull two bricks for every normal one if it's like a dramatic or, or eerie music or something. I don't know. I'm going to put some thought on that and I'll see what I come up with. Yeah, go for it. I'd be interested to seeing what you get done. Yeah, not a problem. Uh, so I think I want to kind of wrap things up there. We do have a couple people in chat and Alejandro specifically says he has a question. So before we move to the next section... We'll ask anybody if they have any questions, and I know there's a bit of a delay, so while we're waiting for people to come up with questions, Taylor, where can people find your work on the internet? Yeah, uh, normally people could find my work uh, on the internet at riverhousegames.com, uh, but like I said at the top of the show, we've been hacked twice in so the past sorry. two weeks. Um, <laughs> so uh, in the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Leviathan Files. Thankfully, uh, the week before we got hacked, I took everything that I had, I've ever done um, in terms of podcasting or game writing. Uh, and I just made a Twitter thread uh, that's pinned to the top of my, my page. Uh, so you can find all the cool stuff that I make um, there uh, in the meantime until that game um, or until that website comes back up. Um, 
you can find the show that I make on the RPG Academy Network, Game Closet, uh, which is a podcast all about uh, really awesome queer and LGBT plus tabletop gamers. Um, all the project that they're working on, I talk to podcasters, streamers, game designers, people who just love games. Um, sort of relevant. We won't be talking about the lyrics uh, and the, the poetry side of it, but I will be talking to some people who are going to be designing a musical role-playing game that will hit uh, Kickstarter um, in mid to late February. Um, that's going to be an episode that's coming up, uh, and I'm really excited for that. Um, so check that when that comes <laughs> out if you want to hear more so about this sort of music and games sort of deal. All right. Very, very cool. Uh, as for myself, again, this is uh, the RPG uh, Academy. So anywhere you search the RPG Academy, if you find something, it's more than likely me. If not, let me know because I need to have a conversation with somebody. Uh, but we do, you know, normally we're an audio only podcast. We do uh, one live show every week. This week, it happened to be a faculty meeting, which is where we do uh, you know conversations like this. Uh, other weeks, it might be something else. Um but we have uh, one question in particular. Uh, this again came from Alejandro. Uh, what tips would you give for a GM in a, I think it's a conversation, trying to get his players more immersed where they are completely new to RPGs? So, Taylor, do you have any thoughts on you got brand new players? Maybe they've never played any RPG before and you want them focused on their character and getting immersed into the game. What What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I would encourage them to look at at look at ways to get in touch with their character that are outside the game uh so at the the top of the show i recommended spotify playlists um make pinterest boards for your characters um write down you know their all right so he clarified it's it's convention so like if you're at a gaming oh, convention okay. uh so maybe these are people you don't know either so you don't have like you can't do a lot of background work on that so sorry to interrupt yeah. but he clarified so i wanted to to get to that Yep. So um, there's there's kind of two ways that you can go about it. The first is if you're bringing pre-gen characters, you can definitely print out, um, uh, they're referred to as mood boards. Um, so a collection of images that really correspond to um, like the feeling that you want to give that character. Uh, if you Google like mood board and then your favorite character from your favorite TV show, I can guarantee you there's at least a dozen uh, to give you good examples. Um, if, if you're creating characters at the table, so if you're playing like a PBTA game or um, a game that has character creation baked into uh, the play, um, uh, try and, and really ask them leading questions, um, you know, ask them why they're choosing things about their character, um, you know, ask them, ask them what their favorite, what their character's favorite song is. Try to get them to, um, to relate to their character on a way that they would relate to another person. Um, so the the question, what's your favorite movie, tells you so much about a person um, because that's something that, that they love and that they connect to. Um, and you can you can use that in games as well as you know just in regular life. All right, very very cool. I don't I'm having trouble tonight. <clears throat> Apologize. <laughs> Uh, so a couple of my thoughts, and again, I I've, I play a lot of different games now, but I primarily play D&D. That's kind of what I, I generally go to because I know there's all these, uh, there's exceptions to everything, but that's a pretty general uh, game that a lot of people play. So if I go to a convention, if I'm running games there, I always bring pre-gens because again, creating characters isn't really part of play in a D&D game. And um, I try to focus, like I don't want to teach the rules until I need to. So I don't start out saying, 
you know, these are your attributes. And if you want to attack, this is a dice you roll. I just start the game. I give them like an overview. I think that's really important to set like the table rules, like a session zero, if it was a campaign. But, you know, this is the type of game. This is the tone of game. Anything else you have as far as making sure everyone feels comfortable at the table, it's a safe space. And then I try to give them something to do that will be fun and fits their character. Think almost like a tutorial in a video game where it's like, okay, the fighter person very early on is going to have the chance to do something fightery. And when they finally say, okay, I want to hit this thing with my sword or I want to break this over my, you know, my, my knee, then I'll say, okay, this is how we do that. You're going to take this die, you're going to roll it, and you want to get above this number. And because you're so strong, you get a plus four to that number, you know, whatever you roll. And I'm going to try to just make as much story and most, much interaction as possible. And the rules are only going to come up when they absolutely have to. And I may even bend them a little bit if I need to, or, you know, give people easy successes. If someone's a rogue and they say, I want to pickpocket, don't make them roll. Say, okay, you're a rogue. You're, you're able to pickpocket this person, you know, and let them feel like what it feels like to have success as those characters before you have them experience failure. That's my opinion. Cause I think, you know, most people want to have fun in games, especially if they're new. Like it's not fun if you pick up a video game and you're playing against someone who's really good and they just destroy you. You know, some people would probably be like, oh, I want to play again and win. A lot of people are going to be like, this isn't fun. And I think the game itself can be like that if they are rolling all the time and they're failing things and they're just not succeeding. I think that's harder for them to stay in the game because then they start worrying about the math. Like, well, why did I fail? What can I do to get a bonus? What, what could I have done differently? First, like half hour, it's all free stuff. They're going to succeed at everything. And then it starts getting more difficult. So hopefully that has been of some help to you, Alejandro. Uh, so we'll move into our last segment for tonight, which is new student introductions, because we stay on the academy theme. And uh, the ideal here is we take a background and a class from D&D &D 5e. We kind of bring them together randomly and see what kind of character concepts we can come up with. Uh, so tonight's random one, based on Google's random number generator, was a soldier druid. So this is a situation where, again, the way the backgrounds work, you were a soldier and now you're a druid, or you can be a druid who is also a soldier. So Taylor, I'll start with you. Did you have any thoughts about this combination and, and the type of character you could come up with? Absolutely. So um, the last time that you had me on, uh, we we talked about, um, well, we talked about druids in detention and I, I verbally diarrhea all over the place about my love for druids um and then when you had me on for my first faculty meeting uh we talked about shambling mounds yes uh which is one of my favorite monsters and it's just a sentient plant so i really love that that chance brought me the druid uh again um <laughs> uh, to to just sort of spout about because i love them i think that there's so much potential in them especially paired with soldier as a background because when you talk about a druid or when you're thinking about druids, you're, you're talking about someone whose magic literally comes from life itself, uh, from nature. Um, there's so much uh, life and healing imagery that comes from uh, the natural world. So when you think about, um, you know, moss growing over, uh, you know, a stone or, or a, a, a corpse or bones, um, when, you, when you think about um, the wild overtaking uh, a set of ruins that, you know, a dead civilization gets life again because it's the now the skeleton for a new ecosystem um you have 
uh, a class that is so mired in life giving um, paired with this background, which is all about a history of violence, um, something that is institutionally about death. Um, so you have this druid soldier and, and creating that dichotomy of life and death at the same time, I think is going to be intensely rewarding at the table. Um, one thing that, that I, the first thing that comes to my mind, this image um, that might be, it might be a cliche and it might be, you know, melodramatic, but that's my, that's my gaming aesthetic, um, is, you know, a soldier who after every battle plants a seed in, in the ground. Uh, to sort of like repay the earth for the life that is taken. And so you have these forests that are springing up um, in the wake of this, this destruction. Um, or, or maybe uh, a soldier whose, whose heart is heavy with the, the toll that it takes to, you know, to steal life from another person or another thing um, and, and is, you know, morally obligated to replace that life um, uh, who is you know so guilt bound that they carry a bag of seeds with them um you can also have like sort of a a war style johnny appleseed um who on the other side of that if you have someone who is sowing literally sowing the seeds of empire as they go through um you know we we talk in we talk about ecosystems and invasive species um you know species that don't have natural predators that you know flow over flourish and over overtake and choke out the life of others um the dogwood tree i i want to say is is one that um is just running rampant in north america right now um because it's from another place and it's it's you know the normal life doesn't isn't equipped to handle it so if you have someone who is paving the way of empire instead of you know salting and burning the earth they're planting these invasive species that are literally reshaping the life and the ecosystems around them as they are, you know, cutting swaths through the, the sentient species of the area. So like cats in Australia? Yeah, cats in <laughs> Australia, uh, rats in Hawaii, uh, carp in the Mississippi um, is something that hits close to home because I, I live in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. Nice. Um, yeah, all of these, these um, invasive species could be something that is another form of warfare for that soldier druid. Um, and again, I have prepared zero talk about the mechanics. I've only <laughs> talked about like what stories you can tell. Yeah, but. mechanics come later. Yeah. Uh, so I had a, I had a couple thoughts uh, right away as well. And not unusual for me. I usually try to come up with like a movie reference. And um, Dances with Wolves, also known as Avatar, also known as Ferngully, also known as Pocahontas. Uh, you could have a situation where someone was a soldier and they either became separated from their unit, uh, they were defeated, and they were left behind when everyone else retreated. Maybe they won, and they were asked to, you know, kind of ingrain themselves with the local population. And they come to understand the beauty of that world and either fight against their own side, original side, you know, like they rebel, or they regret what they've done. And this new connection they have with nature, they try to make up for the wrongs that they have done in their life. You know, again, Dancing with the Wolves, I think he was a, a Civil War soldier. After the, after the war, he just goes and hangs out in the desert. And again, he starts connecting with nature and dances with wolves. Uh, so, you, I mean, that, that's very clearly the was a soldier 
now is connected to nature. And I think you could do a lot with that. Again, the, the feeling of guilt, uh, almost like, the, again, sort of the Johnny Appleseed thing, but not where it's not intentionally trying to like conquer. But like you said, they're like, I've taken so much life. Now that I understand how there's a balance to the world or to the universe, that I understand that I need to repay that back in some way. Uh, you also could have like an order of druids that are classed and there's just a class that is the soldier. You know, mm-hmm. if, the, if there's a whole enclave of, of druids and they have an area of the forest or the world that's theirs, they need to protect it. So some of their members will be like shamans. Some of them will be teachers. Some of them will be soldiers to protect it. So you could have the mindset of, well, you know, I'm a soldier. Nature is deadly. You know, nature is violent. I will focus on those things. And they have, you know, the they they carry themselves in very animalistic ways. You know, deadly snakes, deadly poisons, even like, you know, poisonous tree frogs, whatever. They could sort of yeah. cloak themselves in the ideology of this is just part of nature. I'm focusing on the part that is deadly to protect the part that's innocent. I love that. Again, no mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> Though I do like the idea of turning it into a poisonous tree frog. Like that just isn't when you think of druid, that isn't the first thing that comes to my mind. But it's so perfect though, because it because it isn't the first thing that comes to your mind. So a druid whose wild shape is literally a poison dart frog, um, you know, walking over the weapons of their enemies, but not the blades, the handle. Ah. Um, and and you know what what better way to infiltrate and and to take out your foe than something that's so small just you know the size of a thumb um thumbnail just like walking in and causing such destruction in an enemy camp um is fascinating i that's going to be the next wild shape that <laughs> when i play a druid awesome dark frog very very cool well thanks to everyone who uh who joined us tonight uh it looks like uh, alejandro this might be the first time he had found us or heard of us so hopefully you'll come back next week and maybe go back and look at some of our older episodes and find some other stuff that you like uh to our regulars targus um and um I can't think of that. in new york tater specifically tonight we have a few others that usually join us andrew that one gm joined us tonight thank you everyone for hanging out with us it absolutely makes these shows so much better and so much easier when we have people interacting and talking on chat and gives us things to bounce off of taylor thank you again so much for joining me tonight i really appreciate your insight and i look forward to hearing more about lyrics and if i come up with a dread scenario i will definitely hit you up with that uh and i'll talk to andrew let's see if we can get a a wushu going just even if we don't record it just it'll just be fun to play yeah absolutely so any last words before we sign off for tonight uh go to poetryfoundation.org and just search poets search poems read poetry um because it's it's so amazing um the image that the images that you find in a poem are not only really great to use at the table but also really great things to to read and to to you know, think about to use as as tools to introspect about yourself. Um, poetry is a phenomenal art form that I have only recently, in the past two two or three years, gotten into, um, and I'm kicking myself for not getting into it earlier. Very very cool. So uh, the the last thing I'll say, I probably should have mentioned this at the top of the show, but I have been going back and re-listening to all of our old episodes. I just got a kind of a wild hair. And I've been kind of, you know, from the beginning, the very first dungeon talks with me and Evan and going through and, and, uh, it's been an interesting experience. I think there is a lot of really good content in those early episodes, but some of our polish 
not that we are the most polished now, but we definitely have more now and presentation. And uh, it's just kind of interesting to see how the show has evolved. And it makes me really miss Nico and Evan. Like uh, as much as I appreciate everything Caleb has done, because our show would not have grown to where it has without him. I still like listening to their voices. I'm kind of like, I wish those guys were still around too. So. Alrighty. So I guess that's a down note. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm encouraging other people to go back and listen. Everything is called faculty meetings now because we got in trouble. Uh, long story. But you'll, if you listen to them all, you'll hear the story. Uh, but they're all <laughs> called faculty meetings now. But if you go back to our old episodes, we called them dungeon talks for a very long time. And then we called them to table topics for a very long time. But they're all found there. So, Taylor, once again, thank you, everyone in chat. Thank you. And we will see you next time. Awkward wave out. Bye. There's camera. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the drive-thru RPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, The Caleb G, at The Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at The RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.